We did something very recently actually with Tom Daly and Dustin Lance Black. We took them into school with all that were suffering with sort of homophobic attitudes, you know, families and and you know, they, those those young people went back to their parents and have conversations about how they actually met somebody that was LGBTQ plus and one of them's Olympian, one of them's a Academy Award winning director. Hello, welcome back to Interface. This is the monthly podcast, especially for education professionals all about the digital world. If you're an educator, we're here to help you support the children and young people around you so you can play a part in keeping them safe, confident and happy in all that they do online. As you may know, Anti-Bullying Week takes place in November. So in this episode, we're talking about bullying, technology and schools. Our guest today is the lovely Alex Holmes. So my name is Alex Holmes. I'm Deputy CEO at a youth charity called the Diana Award. We believe that young people have the power to change the world. And one of our biggest programmes is training young people to be ambassadors who stand up for themselves and protect themselves from bullying behaviour on and offline. First, though, just to quickly reintroduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Jess. I'm an online safety consultant with Southwest Grid for Learning, which is part of the UK Safer Internet Centre. And we're joined in each of these episodes by one of four young adult co-hosts. Joining us today for his first episode is Bill. Bill, tell us a bit about yourself. Hello. So I have um, recently graduated from uni. I studied acting and performance practice. And now I'm just working away, writing scripts and trying to get involved in the industry and see where I can go from there. It's great to have you with us, Bill. Let's hear our conversation with Alex. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's lovely to meet you. I wanted to start off by asking you about because you won the Diana Award, is that right? How did you get into this line of work? T- tell us about your experience. Yeah, well, uh, great to join you, um, Jess and, and Bill, on, on, on the podcast. So, yeah, my journey was a recipient of the Diana Awards. And that was when I was age 16, after being on the receiving end of some bullying and behaviour in school. Some of it was um, racist behaviour. Some of it uh, at secondary school was homophobic behaviour. And it sort of made me think about what would have made a difference to my situation. And one of the biggest things that would have made a a real difference was if my friends, my peers had known how to stand up for me and how to challenge some of the harmful behavior that that was going on towards me and others. And so I came up with this idea of anti-bullying ambassadors. These are young people whose job it is to learn how to stand up for themselves and protect themselves as well as protecting their peers from from bullying. And that in 2004 was the thing that I received the Diana Award for and um, was the start of you know, a really exciting journey when I spread the initiative in a, in a lot of schools, particularly in the Southeast. And um, it started to get some great pickups and write-ups in Ofsted uh, reports and then Ed Balls, who probably most children and young people remember him strictly come dancing, but he was the <laughs> education minister uh, at the time. Uh, his department sort of heard about the initiative, invited myself and some young people in, and I brought the Diana Award in. And that was 10 years ago. And they funded uh, a pilot and, and, and now I sort of brought the program there. And, and, and in the last couple of years, focused more on fundraising and partnerships and growing the initiative. Brilliant. That sounds amazing. Do you know what I'm wondering is, 
What just struck me when you were describing all of that, I'm thinking, okay, average 16-year-old who's had an experience of being bullied mm-hmm. doesn't just go and start up a movement. <laughs> I'm really interested in that. How? Because when I think about being bullied, and I'm sure lots of us have had experiences of being bullied in different ways and been excluded and all that kind of stuff, you know, the impact is about how you, you know, you feel alone, you feel victimized, you're likely to be depressed. You, the last thing you feel like is kind of standing up and yeah. making a difference. So are you special and unique? What happened with you? I'm like, what's the psychological process there? Yeah. Because wouldn't it be amazing if every child who was experiencing difficulties like that kind of transformed and, and, and turned it around? Yeah, I think it is really difficult when you're going through an issue like that. And at a young age, I think you can feel like, this is going to be the rest of your life. And particularly when you're stuck at school, um, you know, I worked out actually, one of the things that fueled me is um, I worked out that you you spend 11,000 hours of your life at school. That's quite so a long time. huge amount of time. <laughs> it is a long time. And actually, just one of those hours you feel upset, then then you're going to remember remember that experience for, for the rest of your life and it's going to affect your confidence. So I think I think that spurred me on, but it also I think it was something about timing. Is the UK started anti-bullying weeks, which uh-huh. are you know a great spotlight and I think they're topical for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a real sort of national focus, and it made me think, okay, well we need to do something. My school needs to be part of this. That's fantastic, Bill. Did you have did you have anti-bullying week when you were at school? Yeah, we did. But all my school really did was just put up posters mm. and that was really it. There was no assemblies or or any sort of actual content to, to the anti-bullying week besides just posters being placed around. Oh my goodness. So there must be a world of difference, right, between putting up posters and anti-bullying ambassadors is that right Alex yeah. what do you do then what what does the program do in schools yeah and I think you know post, posters are nice but you're right they, they... <laughs> we say nice things about posters yeah they look nice <laughs> yeah so I, I think the idea of um, ambassadors is um something that that actually shapes attitude change behaviors and, and and is talked about more than just anti-bullying week you know I think particularly any educators you know, listening to this, I think we'll know that in order to really make a difference on a topic or initiative, you have to talk about it more than once. And actually, there's no reason why this shouldn't be an all year around occurrence where you're encouraging positive behaviour. And I think that's the job of the ambassadors, really, so that there are lots of touch points throughout the year, whether that is assemblies, whether it might be young people doing sort of playground duties, uh, whether they're friendly faces, or whether young people are leading workshops, this is the, the idea that actually it's um, continual and that it's a sort of whole school approach where young people might be leading it, but also they're supported by adults and parents also reinforce those messages. So, uh, And also sort of in curriculum areas as well, there's, there's, there's a lot of potential to use, uh, particularly things like the arts, to uh, raise awareness of an issue like bullying. Yeah, it, it all definitely sounds like stuff that if when I was in school, it would have been like, so helpful just having a friendly face that I could speak to or just Mm. knowing that that support is out there which it it wasn't. What's the kind of reach and impact then of it? I mean presumably you get positive feedback how how do you know if it's actually making a difference then? Yeah it's a great question I think uh, again like when you're you're doing behaviour change uh, sort of nothing changes overnight and and if anything some of the schools that introduce this perhaps might see um, a bit of an increase in incidents partly because they're they're raising awareness of the topic and people feel more comfortable in coming forward and speaking out. I think that's a sign of success. 
But I think our best schools are probably the ones that have been doing this for three or four years, and it's really embedded. And perhaps there is a reduction in incidents. Students feel safer. Students feel more confident. They don't hear perhaps bullying language or homophobic language or put downs. And then when we really encourage uh, surveys as well before, during and after so that educators that are leading this and young people can get a real understanding of what's working and perhaps what are some areas that their specific school might need to focus on. So every school is different. It might be that in some schools, uh, racism is a bit of an issue or it might be LGBTQ plus bullying, you know, online bullying. It's important that schools sort of understand like what is uh, the areas that they most need to focus on. But yeah, we've got some very good evaluations um, on our website, some good sort of toolkits, good practice. Um, and, and we've also got some videos on our YouTube channel. All of it sort of anti-bullying pro uh, is our handle for, for those things. And uh, you can get a real sense of schools across the country, across the UK, that have um, really made a real difference for this, largely by empowering young people to be the ones who get uh, the say and some decision making uh, as, as a means to the solution. Sounds fantastic. You know, as a, an ambassador, um, it's all stuff that's relatively in school and in person. Like what support? is out there for for online bullying because that's it's so different from in-person bullying I mean you've got the, the screen you've got the keyboard you, you're hidden behind this mask and you know when you're bullying or when you're, you're being bullied what type of support is kind of needed online yeah I think I mean online bullying can be you know particularly difficult to to deal with. Uh, we also know it could be that a lot more public. It could be 24 seven. Uh, so it can literally sort of follow you in your bedroom. But that being said, the research suggests that actually for, for, for young people in the UK, it's very rare that cyberbullying or online bullying creates new victims. Right. So actually for the majority, um, the research suggests that if you have experienced online bullying, then seven, in 72% of cases, it's usually started offline and in school. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's usually an extension of what's happening face-to-face, perhaps traditional bullying. Right, yeah. Particularly for children and young people. I think it's different for adults. You know, I think it's really important, but I actually think that um, we should treat bullying behaviour, you know, as, as one really. And and, and in, in school, we, you know, we send a really important message that any sort of bullying is not acceptable. You, we hope that the ambassadors run workshops on online issues about how to report, how to block, about how to support a peer if that you see them uh, facing negativity or facing online hate. And and that sort of same sort of treatment is really important when it comes to, you know, to online as well. I sometimes worry that, that as educators or um, as adults, we try and treat the, the two differently because we worry that online bullying is a beast and there's nothing we can do. Well, actually, the first thing we can do is deal with it in the same way as we deal with face-to-face bullying and ask, you know, what's happened? You know, what would you like to do about this? How can we solve this problem together? Give some of that power back, understand, you know, where it's happening, how frequently, and then come up with some solutions together. There's not really a need to sort of treat online bullying that that differently. And I think one of the things that we really promote as well, which um, Southwest Grid for Learning and the UK Safe Internet Centre run really effectively is the Professionals Online Safety Helpline. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's always a message to, to, to educators that actually you, you don't have to think that there's nothing you can do. There, there is, you know, something you could do first, which is ask the young people, ask the young person 
to report, make sure they have reported, but then actually, if you are still stuck, then then there, there, there are solutions. I think sometimes we've got into a habit of just thinking, you know, the internet is terrible and cyberbullying is out of control. And actually cyberbullying has remained pretty consistent. Anywhere between 38% of young people all the way up to sort of 50% of young people experience face-to-face uh, -face bullying, school-based bullying often. And it's much smaller percentage, like much more like sort of 20% to 10% 10 have experienced online bullying. So, you know, actually traditional bullying still far outweighs online bullying, but you know, you probably have, have the media who want to blame the internet rather than looking at investing in schools and, so on, and mental health, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Mm. Couldn't agree with you more. We're constantly putting it in a little box and saying online issues and then looking for some sort of technical solution to it. Yeah. So the blocking and reporting thing, as if that is miraculously going to address relationships, behaviour. It's all it's all mm. a function of relationships, isn't it, really? In terms of mm -hmm. when it's when it's bullying and, and it's arisen from school, you know, you can't just block somebody who's, who's in the same class as you. That's not going to fix mm -hmm. the fact that you're there's a problem there. So, yeah, I totally endorse your peer, peer support approach. Sounds like absolutely the right way to go. And I think the other thing is that the companies have a hard, hard job in the sense that sometimes people say, well, they deal very well with copyright or COVID misinformation. Oh, yeah. But I think the thing is, that's very different from behaviour. If I'm calling you a name, then I shouldn't automatically have that content blocked because I might actually, you know, we might be there with friends, it might be banter, or I might be using an offensive word to raise awareness of my experience. You know, that's why it's it maybe it's a racist word, but I'm using it in a positive way. So there's not really like a blanket approach that you can just apply and then everything's sorted. To your point, I think it's still about humans, it's still about relationships. And that's why the role that educators have in, in teaching how, how, how to interact with each other, I think it's just so important because hopefully they'll take those messages online, you know, into adulthood and they'll become more sort of compassionate and kind leaders who are leading, you know, the companies of the future. Mm-hmm. And people will find devious ways to use technology, right? So whatever words you come up with or whatever process, somebody will find a way. And that's where you get these like exclusion, you know, <laughs> leaving somebody out of a group chat by mistake, because you met air quotes there. Because <laughs> yeah. it's deniable, right? And there's no trail, there's no there's nothing there. Because it's all just a function of of behavior. Gosh. So what about the bigger picture then around about technology pushing out content, for example, if we're thinking, because you were talking, you know, like racism, homophobic bullying. And if we look at society and what's happening, it's real concerns, isn't it, about polarised views? Yeah, stuff that's happened in real life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, about extreme content becoming normalised, all this kind of stuff. Do you think that that is also spilling over into into schools and influencing children's behaviour? Absolutely. And, you know, and I've, I've had some very interesting conversations with schools lately about, you know, the li likes of Andrew Tate and other influencers who really are influencing yeah. mm. particularly young men and boys. And I think that is a really difficult situation for educators to uh, get a handle on um, because, you know, those messages which are negative and toxic are infiltrating, you know, the young minds. It, it goes back to, I suppose, just how important educators' role is in leading on things like um, assemblies, reflection, and PHSC, and so and so on. If if I was a head of year now or an educator, I would probably be having a conversation about Andrew Tate. I'd bring some of these real life examples from the media, from the news, yeah, and I'd pose it in the sense of 
oh, I read about this. You know, what can you tell me about this? Because then as an educator, you're not worried about that gap of knowledge that you may have or that, you know, that worry that, that you might look a bit or sound a bit silly. Instead, bring real life examples that you know are affecting young people and discuss them, you know, class time, form time, tutor time. Um, I think that's the way to do it. Bring these things into the open and, and enable some discussion and dialogue because you'll get some really good students who are challenging some of the perceptions that are in the room. And as a result, I think those peers will leave that session feeling a little bit more like, okay, I've, I've had my thinking challenged and I'm not going to think exactly how I was thinking the way I came into this lesson and classroom I'm going to go away differently I think. So do you have resources that do that help to facilitate some of those? Yeah. Because like educators that's quite challenging mm -hmm. you're taking something like that who knows what's going to come out of a child's mouth right? Stay true. Stay you've got to be yeah. you've got to yeah. be ready to, to deal with anything potentially that's quite a challenge for particularly in secondary yeah you know you maybe want to get on and teach some other stuff but these these conversations are important so have you got so do your resources cover those kind of and provide the support, I suppose, that educators might be looking for. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, on on our um, website, antibullyingpro.com, we've got lots of free resources. We also have a programme called Be Strong Online, which is all about teaching young people about how to be resilient online and, and how to think about some of the issues that they might face online, such as cyberbullying, such as misinformation. I still think nothing beats like real life, life examples, but I also agree like you have to handle it sensitively and delicately. Uh, and that's a hard job. This is Interface, a podcast for educators about digital and online life from the Southwest Grid for Learning. We will be back with our excellent guest very soon. The Interface podcast is all about keeping children, young people and education communities safe, happy and confident in everything relating to technology and online life. And the other thing to know is that SWGFL, the people behind Interface, have a whole host of support, tools and resources. We also have a number of helplines available. One of these is POSH, the Professionals Online Safety Helpline, which is open to any educators and professionals who need support with an online safety issue. Give us a call. Thanks, Jess. And not only that, schools and other organisations can download the Report Harmful Content button to add to their website to support any user over the age of 13 in reporting anything they experience online that they find harmful or worrying. Also, take a look at our 360 degree safe tools. These tools support a comprehensive whole school approach to online safety. There's also Project Evolve, an educational toolkit to support digital competency in children and young people. There is a lot available and it's free free is always good and you're right Jess it is a lot and I appreciate it's a lot for you to take in listening like this so don't worry if you've been scrabbling around for a pen or you're not sure where the pause or rewind buttons are you can find all of this information online at swgfl.org.uk and you can also find us on twitter and instagram with the handle at swgfl underscore official also we've put all the links you need in the show notes for the interface series that you'll find in your podcast player Thanks for sticking with us. This is Bill Byers with Jess Macbeth. Teachers as well, they're not going to be exempt from bullying from like other students and, and other teachers. Yeah, and I think there is a lot for both parties on mm -hmm. um, sort of thinking about privacy and knowing the settings of the apps and the, and the platforms that you're on so you can protect yourself. Um, you know, also want to promote again the Professionals Online Safety Helpline. Uh, which is definitely hey. there, <laughs> which <laughs> is definitely there for for 
teachers and adults as well, right, who are facing issues. I think that's the majority of calls they get, actually, is reputational stuff for teachers, yeah. I think it just it can just be, you know, much easier now to, you know, find find an educator online. And when you discover perhaps content that is making fun of, fun of you as an educator, it's important you get support and speak to, to people as well. There's a lot of support and information out there, and actually no one knows all the answers to this. Um, I'm still, you know, as a 34-year-old catching up with uh, technology and, um, you know, just joined Be Real. Oh, look at you, down with the kids, <laughs> well, well, right? Well, I'm currently not posting <laughs> or posting very late, which is defeats the point of the of the app. But, um, yeah, I'm still trying to get to grips to it. And I, th- I think the answer is, you, as an educator, you know, you, don't, you don't need to know we don't need to be on or know every app. You just need to, through resources that we have at the Diana Award and Southwest Group for Learning, you just need to know some of the principles of online safety. And if you don't know it, then have a conversation, have an, uh, you know, ask somebody. It's definitely important. What makes someone a bully? Yeah, good question. We're going through a little sort of phase at the moment where we're looking at definitions because a lot of them are outdated. And you know, classic example of that is cyberbullying. I mean, what does cyber mean? But the, the other one is the sort of term bully because that, that label d- suggests that it defines you, who you are. But actually, you are engaging in bullying behaviour. You're displaying behaviour. Yeah. But you're not forever a bully. So we actually try even not to use, use that word because uh, I think for a lot of young people and adults, we, you know, we're constantly making mistakes. We might not know the true intention you know, or Im- impact of what we did. So I think it's, you know, about sort of bullying behaviour. But a lot of the time, those choices might come out of fear. We know, for example, online bullying affects marginalised communities or people. It just disproportionately affects like women, girls, yeah. non-binary people, people of colour. Uh, you know, that, that that's a fact there. And I think that that that, that is some of that is sort of ingrained uh, attitudes. Um, but other times, you know, there is a real sort of fear, fear base or lack of understanding of of each other that might result in that behaviour. Um, but I yeah. think you, you know, you also when when you see that behaviour, then you mirror it. In sometimes. Well, I wondered that. Yeah, how do you engage parents if actually some of the attitudes and behaviours are happening at home? Yeah, well, I mean, we we're seeing a lot of young people again come out to Bill's point about conversations, having a conversation with their parents. So if they're sitting in front of TV and a TV show's on and the parent says something that's like, you know, homophobic or something, then then that young person will challenge their parents' thinking, which is, you know, amazing. I don't think I would have yeah. done that when I was young. We have an ask that, that the ambassadors and the ambassadors' friends get their parents in to run workshops with them because it's much easier for, the, for, for young people to do that rather than the school trying to get parents in sometimes. But I think it can be difficult because to your point around bullying behaviour, sometimes... There can be a lot more of it um, displayed at home. You know, we're trying to encourage as many young people as possible to have positive conversations and challenge some stereotypes and some beliefs that exist in their family dynamics. Um, and we, we did something very recently, actually, with Tom Daly and Dustin Lance Black, where we, <laughs> just casually in the sentence, yeah, just just casual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we took them into a school that was um, primary school that was suffering with sort of homophobic attitudes you know, families and... Wow, that must be powerful. Yeah, and that, that sort of meant that a lot of those young people, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of misconceptions or, you know, were worried about that. But by the end, there was really some really strong, strong sort of fondness of, of both Tom and, and Lance. 
and um, you know they, those those young people went back to their parents and have conversations about how they actually met somebody that was LGBTQ plus, and you know one of them's Olympian, one of them's a award winning Academy Award winning director, and so on, and, and talked about actually getting to know and understand some of these people. So you know it it, it, can, it can be it can be tackled, but it's difficult to do. Yeah. So where do you start then? If you've got one piece of advice mm. for educators that listen to the podcast, what should they do? They do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. What is it? Yeah. Do you know, I, th- I think get together a group of young people that, you know, uh, have views on this area and, you know, ask them some questions, ask them what, you know, if you gave them a magic wand, what would they do? How would they make the situation better? Start to put together a little bit of a team. So your biggest asset is young people. And, and if you want behaviour to improve or the school to become even safer and happier, then put together a team of ambassadors. It doesn't have to take a lot of work. You know, you could start by reviewing your school's anti-bullying policy, which most adults write, no children have input into, make sure it's child-friendly, produce a video version. There's probably also something, another outdated word, uh, an acceptable electronic use policy. What does that mean, electronic use? Mm -hmm. But again, that might be a policy you want young people to feed into. And then think, you know, can they be part of playground drop-ins or patrols or lunchtime clubs? Can they produce, can they, be the ones that are doing assembly around these topics so that they're reinforcing what you're saying as an educator, but they're up there and, and they're speaking to their peers. Can they run workshops um, or, or sort of team building exercise? Can they get their parents in? I think there's 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 so much. And I think it just starts by listening and believing in young people and um, working with them on, on some things that actually make the school look better because they're the sort of the eyes and the ears and, um, you know, when you empower them, they can really make a difference to the culture and the attitudes that exist within your school. Fantastic. And if you don't ask, you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So True. you have to start True. by asking. Yeah. It has been fascinating, interesting, enjoyable. I've learned a few things, actually. And I'm loving the name dropping, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. So so thanks so much, Alex, for, for joining us um, on the podcast. Of course, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll give all the links and everything to um, the Diana Award and your resources. We'll put all of those in the show notes. Yeah, thank you for popping by. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work and looking forward to listening to this one and, and, and the next ones. Um, so thanks again to Alex Holm for coming along to the podcast. Jess, what did you think of that? Oh God, he's an inspirational guy, isn't he? Oh yeah. It'd be amazing. Just take him to every school. Yeah. Get all the kids together. 16 years old and he... I know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So no wonder he's doing all this amazing work now. It's about finding the right time to be able to talk about these things because they are so important to talk about. Yeah. Like the whole posters up in the sky. I never knew about the Diana Award or, or I never thought about these ambassadors. So hearing all of that and it's 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 really nice to to hear that stuff like this is coming about um and that more is being done. And just hearing about what can be done as well. It was it was great. He had a lot of ideas actually, didn't he? Oh yeah. About the approach. Right from the beginning. Like write the po- you know, ask kids, get get young people involved, ask them what's happening, write the policy, getting parents in and thinking about the kind of what issues there might be at home, as well as kind of online influences. Yeah. There's just so many aspects there to think about. And when I was at school, which was like in the last century, but anyway, <laughs> when I was at school, you know, there was homophobic bullying, there was all this stuff going on. And you think, how, how, you know, 
we have to address these issues. Yeah. We really do with young people. So important. One thing that really surprised me was cyberbullying. It does just come from real life. And it's something I would never have thought about before that, you know, you're bullied in real life and then that gets carried on to online rather than it just being, you know, random people all the time. Well, I suppose we hear a lot about kind of anonymous trolling, don't we, of adults. And so we kind of think about that. Yeah. But yeah, totally. It's 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 a function of relationships, isn't it? For bullying with young people. And I suppose it also speaks to the fact that technology more and more is just becoming part and parcel of our lives and totally yeah. enmeshed in it. It's not... So I, I'm assuming offline bullying can lead to online bullying and then vice versa, right? And that's why we see yeah. violent acts occurring as a result of what people read and understand and what happens online. So, yeah, hugely important to tackle it. There can be issues around about what young people think normal behaviour, normal friendship behaviour is online, for example, what the expectations are about how you demonstrate friendship. Mm-hmm. It's all about the in-group and the out-group, right? You know, it's about and, and kind of demonstrating loyalty and stuff like that. Yeah. So you agree with that, Bill? Yes. Yeah, so you can get some kind of weird behaviours sometimes with young people who are trying to show that they like somebody and yeah. or be part of a certain group and by doing that they're excluding another group and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like online you get a lot of like, slurs that are racist or homophobic they're being thrown around left right and center and and kids can could look at that and think oh that's that's normal you know i'm seeing this online all the time so then they bring that into real life or into group chats with with people that they do know and they might not realize it but it's it's um it is you know a form of bullying it's it's marginalizing these groups yeah. The other thing I think I'm seeing more of, and it, it, it's over the past few years as well, we've got younger and younger children that are engaging online and engaging in group chat, Yeah. for example, online or on social media, in a way they just wouldn't have before. And then what you've got is this issue of they're not actually, they don't actually have the conversational skills yet. They, they don't have the skills to debate and discuss something. They don't know how to disagree yeah. or how to climb down from, from an issue. And so we can, you can get kind of arguments and stuff like that happening online with young people because they don't, they don't really they don't have all of the skills yet to do what they need to do. So, Bill, what are our three key takeaways for educators listening to this episode? It's, it's important to bring young people into conversations about bullying and to involve them in school policy makings. Yeah, that, that came over loud and clear, didn't it? We've got to start with young people, get them involved right from the beginning so that you know where you're at, where you need to get to. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's number one. Oh, I had one. Uh, number two, using real world examples. Uh-huh. Bring in what's happening out there. What are the conversations? What are the influences online? It was huge, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I suppose online bullying being an extension of um, offline relationships and behaviour as well. That, that's a pretty big one as well. That's... Yeah, that was really interesting, wasn't it? That part of the conversation. Yeah, it kind mm. of just branches together and and for an educator then that means that if you are faced with an online bullying incident you need to be asking about what else is happening yeah and vice versa actually if you've got a young person who's being bullied what's happening online i really hope this episode of interface has been useful thanks so much for being with us you will always find links in the show notes of these episodes to read more about each topic Next time, we're talking about intimate image abuse and Stop NCII, a pioneering approach to preventing your images being shared online in the first place. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app so episodes are automatically downloaded to your device when they are released. And we need your help. The more people that listen to Interface, the more chance we've got of being able to keep sharing the advice and support as we do. So please recommend us to a friend or a fellow educator. 
And you can find us on social media at SWGFL underscore official on both Twitter and Instagram. Interface is a podcast series from SWGFL, part of the UK Safer Internet Centre. We have been Jess Macbeth and Bill Byers. Interface is produced by Karis Wall with sound design by Joel Cox and original music from Alex Fraser. It's a bespoken media production. Produced by Bespoken Media.